0: The Voice America Business Channel is brought to you by Intercall, the worldwide conferencing leader. Check out easy and reliable conferencing solutions at www.intercall.com forward slash radio.
1: Welcome to In Discussion in this three-part series with Danian Brinkley, the New York Times best-selling author of Saved by the Light and At Peace in the Light. His latest literary classic, co-authored with his wife Catherine Brinkley, is entitled The Secrets of the Light, Lessons from Heaven. And his first bestseller, Saved by the Light, spent 26 weeks on the New York Times bestsellers list and was made into a television motion picture by the Fox Network and has been seen by tens of millions of people in over 30 countries since 1995 and to this day it remains the highest-rated made-for-television movie in Fox's history. After being struck in the side of the head by a bolt of lightning in 1975, at the age of 25, he found himself travelling down a tunnel and into a brilliant light. There he witnessed a panoramic review of his entire life on Earth, and afterwards he was taken to a luminous crystal city, and there within a hall of knowledge, Thirteen beings of light infused Danyan's consciousness with visions of the world to come and charged him with his spiritual mission of establishing healing centers on the earth. Then, against his will, 28 minutes later, he was returned to his lifeless body. Since that faithful evening in 1975, he's been on an incomparable spiritual odyssey, and today he's revered as one of the greatest orators of our time, offering a message of great hope and courage to audiences worldwide. He later became a hospice and nursing home volunteer in 1978, and in the past 30 years of volunteer service, he's been at the bedside of over 350 people at their moment of death, and with more than 1,800 people during their final days accruing more than 26,000 hours of service at the bedside. In 1997, Danion co-founded the Twilight Brigade and today is one of our nation's largest non-profit organizations dedicated to the training of volunteers who serve as transition technicians at the bedside of our country's priceless and beloved American war veterans. His wife Catherine works at his side as president of the organization And since its inception, the Twilight Brigade has recruited nearly 6,000 volunteers who have accrued more than 250,000 reported hours at the bedside. With more than 76 million baby boomers now confronting the mortality of family members and friends, many of whom are veterans, this program is providing a much-needed link to assure quality in end-of-life care. Having honorably served in the Marine Corps, Brinkley's profound commitment to death with dignity has inspired him to successfully devote his life to the creation of a reality where no veteran need die alone. Being recognized as a true American hero on behalf of the veterans, in 2007 Danyan was awarded the President's Lifetime Achievement Award for Outstanding Volunteer Service. Danian Brinkley joins me on In Discussion. Welcome to In Discussion today, and what a privilege to have Danian Brinkley returning back for the third in our series. Danian, welcome to you again. David, thanks a lot, and thanks to your audience for tuning in and listening. Danian, we've really had an inspiring time together, and as you indicated before the program, I'm sure that these are going to continue unabated i would like to return back to early days but before i do that could you fill in the period between 1975 and 1978 you became a nursing home volunteer how did that come about
0: well because my father was a disabled world war ii veteran and he had a couple of friends that were in the war and they were in transition and uh, he wanted me to talk to them one guy was named Pizer, and he was a World War II veteran who had had a near-death experience, but no one could understand him in the Deep South. And I went to visit him, and I really realized, David, that I had an understanding of people who had gone through these types of experiences that brought a lot of peace to him. And his family became calm with the fact of, instead of him appearing to be irrational, because they had resuscitated him or crazy or hallucinating, they became comfortable with the fact that my conversations with him made him very calm and less irritating uh, or irritated and brought a sense of peace to him. And I just realized that I could help people because I not only knew what was next, when they had had issues like this with absolutely no knowledge or background, I could help them find resolution in it instead of fear.
1: How did your father feel in those days about what you were to start?
0: Well, he was proud of it. My dad was wonderful. Uh, I, when I became famous, infamous Daniel. Inside Edition did a special on me, and they asked my father about uh, this, a guy from, a fundamentalist from the South. And they said, well, Mr. Brinkley, what do you think about all these things that your son is saying? And my dad said, well, I can tell you this. That lightning didn't do Dan very much good, but it did the rest of us a world of good because he had seen the changes. And he may not have understood what was triggering the changes, but he was watching the changes in me. So I think he was quite proud that he could bring something to his friends that helped them. And then when my mom passed in 1984, she told me two things in that last day, was to don't let him hurt her anymore and to take care of my father. So I stopped them from resuscitating her, and then I would go with my father to the VA. And since my father, that's the Veterans Administration, and since my father knew his way around the VA, it left me just to kind of wander around, and I found the AIDS ward. And I'd never seen so depressed human beings because in 1983 or four, if you had AIDS and... If you walked across the street from the building, people thought they caught it. And so I would go in and visit these guys. And it just became to be something that I found such peace in helping and calling their families and talking because you not only you know you're doomed to die, how you came about that illness, whether it was through sexually transmitted hetero or homosexual relationships, and how you, uh, the stigma that came with it, and that you nobody wanted to be around you. And I just found that, you know, it didn't scare me. I could be of help and I watched the joy that these guys had when I would come and visit them and, you know, bring little, treat, little things to eat like cupcakes and things like that, and to spend time with them and talk to them and treat them like normal human beings, you know? And I watched many of them pass And it was really AIDS that began my mission as dealing with veterans. And it became to where I kept expanding it outward further and further and further till, uh, it took, it just took in anybody and everybody, but mostly veterans. I think my dad was really proud of me. I mean, he didn't understand a lot of it and I never tried to put a lot of it on him. But he was always there and he would come and visit and he would ask me questions in roundabout ways of trying to get to points because my my mother had told him in her last days that she truly believed that what had happened to me had happened because some of the things had happened to her, like her sister appearing to her and he just had to deal with it and uh, he saw that I could handle fame better than, and he told me that once, that I handled fame a lot better than he thought I ever would. You know, I had my 15 minutes of fame, but that didn't last long because hospice has a way of grounding you.
1: He was from, like my father, I'm sure, an amazing generation.
0: Oh yeah, the greatest generation. I mean, you grew up in the Depression. You know, he was born in, like, 20s, well, he was probably born in 1928, so, you know, he knew. We, We had farms and grocery stores, so he knew, and he was really cool. I don't think he ever really got it, but he got that I could handle it and that I would get 600 invitations a year to speak, and it would be all over the world. And he could see a change in me. There was a calmness that I never really had until after that. And then when fame came, I mean, I was a little crazy at at the first, but he saw it didn't last long. And I would do meals on wheels when I had spare time. I do meals on wheels and I uh, supported a women's abuse shelter and a child abuse shelter. And I would take the profits from my stuff and I called it spiritualistic capitalism. And I would support programs. And he would see that I would be cooking the food and delivering the food and recruiting all my friends, him included, to truly try to make a difference.
1: He was very important to you, was he not, Dunyan?
0: Oh, absolutely. So was my mom. I mean, you could not have better parents than I had. I am probably as lucky a human being as ever because I was around a bunch of doctors and psychiatrists and professional people, and they were all complaining about what their parents had done to them and why they were so crazy. And I was sitting one day thinking about what had my parents ever done to me that I could blame them for. And I came home one afternoon, and I told my dad, I said, Dad, I've been around a lot of my friends, and they, they're telling me in their childhood what happened to them that makes them so crazy and I said, I need to tell you, I thought about the stuff that you'd done to me as a child, and I need to tell you what happened that helped cause me to be the way I am, and it's something that you did. His eyes got really, really big, David, <laughs> and he sat down ready to take it. He said, well, sit down and tell me. And I sat down, and he said, tell me what it, it is. I said, well, when I was nine years old, you didn't let me go see Darby O'Gill and the Little People. It was a movie. And he said, what? <laughs> I said, in my entire life, I can only think of one thing that you ever did that would that could scar me. And uh, I was like 40 years old then. And he went out and found the movie and gave it to me for Christmas. So you see, I don't have all those things that people come from their childhood. I don't have any of that. And mine were great. And we all have to let that stuff go in this new era. We're living in a period of transition, David and the world that we grew up in has disappeared and people finding their spiritual identity as great powerful and mighty spiritual beings with dignity direction and purpose i learned this from the other side this is who you are i have seen us and until people stop set aside their mental physical self and look at their true spiritual identity they will never clearly see who they are, and what they're supposed to do in this life. That's why I write these books. I never, ever wanted to be famous. I was pretty happy with what I was doing as Daniel But I had to, to protect those people who now have a platform. And I also had to try to create a way that we are spiritual beings. And without identifying yourself as that and trying to quantify yourself as that, you will never find yourself. You will always be subject to the whims of a very controlling, despotic religions, institutions, governments, banks. We will always be at the mercy of that as opposed to at the dignity and the quality which is truly
1: ours as spiritual beings. I can remember the last time that I saw my father in the hospital in '97. He typified that generation and he sat there in the bed and he said, Darling, he said, Have a jolly good day. And I never saw him again. That was a generation. They had traveled through the Great Depression. They traveled through the war years. They overcame it. But it's completely different this time, is it not?
0: These are not war years. There's not been a war declared since December the 7th, 1941. We call these wars, but only Congress can declare a war. These are conflicts. Vietnam, it was a conflict. Korea, it was a conflict. Afghanistan, Iraq, a conflict. Libya, a conflict. Uh, the Sudan, a conflict. I mean, this is all garbage. What this is, is business. It's the business of war. It's the business to, to perpetuate control and domination of commodities and resources, it's not about anything. If it was about something, then it would have integrity and honor. Where in all of this, there's no more Taliban except what ISI is supporting, al-Qaeda Al is fighting against Qaddafi. Uh, and Qaddafi said it's al-Qaeda fighters. The United States government recognizes it's al-Qaeda fighters that's fighting Qaddafi, and we're bombing the forces of Qaddafi to allow Al-Qaeda to go in and take over a nation.
1: Why is it that people are not understanding this internationalism that is around oil? Well, oil, gold and drugs, because
0: they'd have to change. They'd have to believe that all the things that we, who appear to be conspirators, believe. In order to that, they would have to take responsibility for their lives and make the changes, we have fourteen trillion dollars in debt and have to raise a debt ceiling. like I said the other day, think of this: a million seconds was twelve years ago. A trillion seconds was thirty one thousand one hundred and thirty four years ago, fourteen trillion seconds. Was almost four hundred thousand years ago. So whoever believes to think that debt will ever be paid, they're crazy. And what people want to do is keep living in yesterday instead of facing today to create a better tomorrow. But it does not matter, David. This system will collapse, and I believe it will collapse in the next year. So whatever anybody thinks whatever it is that they believe, if it's not based on that we've been living a lie for the last 40 years and since we went off the gold standard and that we are in competition for oil, which drove the Industrial Revolution, and the fact that emerging economies in Asia, China, and India – are in such competition for the resources that America has always commanded to build its industrial base. And we have become such a, uh, well, we know that fossil fuel, we know that oil is now not a fossil fuel. It is manufactured in the earth. It is not uh, just made of vegetation. That was when we were in a temperate climate zone some 170 or 80 million years ago. That's a lie. It's manufactured in the earth, so there's a supply of it. But whoever controls those supplies will dictate the development of economies. Japan is finished; one third of Japan won't be able to be occupied for probably ten thousand years, so the world power shifts away from from Japan and it goes to China, Taiwan and America. OK, And so now becomes the great the great rush. We have to keep an eye on what Russia is doing, but we have to become spiritually focused, and we have to pay attention to this nation and get off of off of oil. This is something, David, that has always amazed me. We can ke- create chemistry that can isolate a single amino acid in the millions of different types of proteins and it takes 22 amino acids to make a protein and there are billions of amino acids we can isolate a single amino acid synthetically manufacture it, and instill it in the body to create and change whole electromagnetic influences and and personality disorders and to think that we are not capable of taking H2O, which is water, two parts hydrogen and one part oxygen, and to separate, separate hydrogen from oxygen and create the most abundant energy in the universe, which is hydrogen. For me to sit here and to try to believe that there is not the technology, we can build an atomic bomb... We can build a thermonuclear detonating device, and you mean you cannot separate hydrogen from oxygen and to create a resource that you can use water as a power source? For me to look at basic physics and basic chemistry today and to see what we're doing and achieving in chemistry and that this is not capable of being achieved, that is utter
1: lunacy. And how is it for people in your mind to simply stated get it over the next 12 to 18 months well
0: first it's they're going to get it anyway they're going to see that if they don't change if they don't honestly and sincerely pay attention to their spiritual identity you must go inward it is not the external influence David it's the internal influence it is that Learning to meditate and learning to get outside in the sunlight and learning to feel the earth and to become a part of protecting it. Not an abuser or a raper of the earth, but a protection of it. Get involved in a program. I mean, uh, water will be the next war. Oil is insignificant. The very moment that we separate hydrogen, and there are people who are doing this there is tesla 's coils of free energy, and there are free energy devices that I have personally seen work and operate to produce energy from static that is convertible. Tesla did it in the in the nineteen ten but because you cannot control free energy, and you know once electricity came into existence. It became to be the master, that you were no longer in the earth cycles from sun up to sun down. And we lost that rhythm in the earth. But people have to get inside of themselves, and they have to find that quiet, meditative place that connects them to the universe. It's so funny to realize, from my point of view, That what we call physical reality and that in the religious point of view that we've been separated from the divine and now we're out here on our own. Simple, simple physics. The basic construction of physical reality is an atom. An atom is 94.6% empty space. So that means physical reality will never be more than 5% of reality. And in that empty space, there are electrons, protons, and neutrons. So wherever there is an electron, a proton, and a neutron, you have not only molecules, but all molecules are connected throughout the universe. And we now realize that they're talking about us. This is some pretty amazing stuff, David, that people do not take to heart in their everyday life because, number one, they're easy, too busy trying to pay off the new TV they got or they're worried about keeping their jobs, where if we focused on that, we would become to a point of such realization about the abuse and the thievery that has been perpetuated upon us, we would rise up quietly and rebel.
1: One of my heroes, Victor Schoberger, he was very well versed with Tesla and many of the new scientists. I remember that quote, I must furnish those who would protect our save life with an energy source which produces energy so cheaply that nuclear fission will not only be uneconomical but ridiculous. This is the task I have set myself and what little life I have left they call me to range. The hope is that they are right. It is of no greater or lesser import for yet another fool to wander the earth. But if I am right and science is wrong, then may the Lord God have mercy on mankind. Is it not a time now where we all have to do that? We all have to walk our truth.
0: If we don't start walking and living our truth, we will surely, I mean, we will surely fail. People have to stop and realize Here's something that's so amazing. We go back to Zachariah Sitchin, someone in the 70s who transcribed uh, uh, the ancient text in the end of Sanskrit. And he translated and it talked about this planet called Nuburu and that it's where we came from. And that they came to the earth to mine gold because they were trying to save their atmosphere and they had a planet called naburu or planet x it was a water planet and it needed gold in the atmosphere and they genetically engineered the human being and you know and zachariah talked about this he and i were very good friends he talked about this for years and years and years and yet today on the nasa website this planet, exactly as Zachariah described it in these 20,000-year-old texts, it's a picture of it on the NASA website, and it's called Tai Chi. It has a name. It's twice the size of Jupiter. It's a water planet. It has clouds, and it's on its way. So if you go back and read the forbidden. You go back and look at Zachariah's stuff, and you look on the NASA website, and you see a picture of it. You see it's named. It's described identical on the NASA website as Zachariah described it from the translations of the old text. Well, what do you do? What do you do then? You either don't do what we're asking, or you do do what we're asking. Either way, it will not change the fact that this planet has been rediscovered, its orbit is mapped, and it's on the NASA website. You can go to YouTube and punch up Planet X, and there are 50. Some of the people are crazy, but some NASA scientists are on there describing this planet.
1: I am being called every minute of the day by many quantum thinkers and scientists who are now saying i'm defecting to a new scientific thought pattern the major problem that i see certainly from my perspective is that you have a media that is completely suppressed and completely corrupt and this is the difficulty why people are not receiving this information just as they're not receiving the infinite possibilities, about new science, about new energy, about these scientists who have taken free energy devices off of the tabletop and actually put them into action. This is why I do what I do. And you take the road. You cannot be compromised. You cannot be supported by most of the corporations. But we are definitely in a world where fossil fuels is burning bright. Predatory greed is increasing. And there has to be outlets that measure this and give everybody an opportunity to learn about certainly what you've just been talking about and all of those infinite possibilities that new energy can provide. Well, once it happens,
0: the system breaks. And I want the system to break. I mean, they I mean, think about this. Why is there so much suppression about UFOs? Okay, well, it's easy, the suppression. There is too much data out there now to write it off. You can talk it all you want, but people, millions and millions of people are seeing these these ships and these devices. There was a big thing about what the guy who had WikiLeaks, he had captured some cables, some uh, diplomatic cables that were describing... Uh, literally a war that was going on in Antarctica. A war between extraterrestrials and the United States and several other European countries because they had discovered in over Mexico some 2,000 craft. You know, and if you start looking at that stuff, the first thing that's going to happen is people are going to say, what's its power source? You know, how much gasoline does it take to get from uh, 2,000 light years? That's at 186,000 miles per second, and it's 2,000 light years away. How much gasoline do you have to have, or what is that fuel source? The very moment that fuel source is recognized, then all of a sudden what we use in burning coal and burning wood and, and burning oil, will disappear. That's a good enough reason to suppress it. Not that there are extraterrestrial life support, because you realize that the Catholic Church is the number one funder of of observatories and telescope observatories. They're controlled probably 85% of all of those, and they fund it. What would happen to religion? And even like last year, the head of the astrophysics department, this bishop in Rome, said he believed that there was other forms of life, and he couldn't wait to teach him about Jesus. Now, when you get the Catholic Church recognizing it, and here was 11 countries, 11 countries who said they did not care about extraterrestrials, they did not do any more studies, they never believed it, who's released their information, Britain. Two million pages of unqualified, uh, unexplainable UFO sightings. Mexico, Spain, Iran, Brazil, uh, Australia. These are major countries releasing their information that collectively and collectively bring about the fact that what people are seeing are not explainable. They're not craft that we know of, and the speeds at which they move. And last year, an, is- an American-built Israeli fighter jet, with its camera, at least, you know, we always see the visions of uh, laser-guided missiles striking tanks. We saw this coming out of Bosnia, and then we saw it in Afghanistan and Iraq to show that they- how a guided missile is uh, pinpointing a target. Well... An Israeli fighter pilot in an American built jet with its camera, with its laser guided camera for its missiles, followed a UFO, tracked it, photographed it, and filmed it. And it would move at speeds, it would slow down and speed up. And then, if they measured it, that this thing left the camera's range in speeds in in excess of 18,000 miles an hour. Well, how do you explain that? What do we have that has, they could move from dead from two or three hundred miles an hour to 18,000? I'd like to ride on it. And this is the world that we live in. It's people who are courageous like you, David. I know that it was pretty courageous to step up and defend the near-death experience because the scientists were, they didn't have the the confidence that I had because I had been through it. And I believe that I was one of the contributors, helped pave the way for people to believe that there is a life after death, not from a religious point of view, but from a scientific point of view, because how life after death comes in existence is advancement in cardiopulmonary resuscitation. And when you have cardiopulmonary resuscitation techniques that are so advanced that they're able to achieve these goals and people are coming back from the dead, who are you going to blame? Blame science, or you listen to the stories.
1: When you spend time in these hospices achieving this amazing work, how do you discuss these points with people? Does it come up? Do veterans or anybody else that you come across discuss this, understand it?
0: Probably one out of 20. I never bring it up. It's not a subject matter that you... I don't uh, pontificate at the bedside, David. I listen. A lot of people have a lot of issues to work through, and most of the time they have to work through it themselves. But if a person gets a chance to talk it through with someone who's not being paid to listen, but someone then a lot of those issues they work out themselves first because someone cares and second because they get to hear themselves.
1: Isn't this what it's all about? It's about caring. There's not enough of that in this world today. We must start caring about each other.
0: We don't have any choice. It's like they said, we will either stay together or hang separately. I think that was not Patrick Henry, but Henry Clay can't remember who it was who said it about the Revolutionary War. We will either hang together or we will hang separately. But we don't have a choice. When this, when this economic collapse occurs, and the issue over the budget for the rest of this year, which was only a continuing resolution, we haven't had a budget which is mandated by the Constitution, and it must be a balanced budget. We don't have, we have to raise the debt ceiling, which so many people are against because it would create literally worldwide economic depression and it would destroy the illusionary system that the banking is built upon, which is called fractal banking. And we have to have a 2012 budget. So if you believe what the Mayans say, this is the most incredible juncture in history. 2011 12 13 and 14
1: that methodology call it quantitative easing uh, fractal banking would you agree with me Daniel that as much as we all need to survive the time has come for all of that to collapse
0: absolutely
1: and people would be scared about that but I have seen for myself that in order to gain everything You have to lose everything. It's the only way that people are going to understand this new world that we're moving into.
0: Or to teach you to appreciate. You know, we all all try to appreciate and be thankful for what we have. But what we have to appreciate and be thankful for is what we don't have. You have to pay attention to your health. Think of this, David. Recently, a scientific study came out. And this was done by two universities, the same universities who do scientific studies for the National Institutes for Health. It said that they bought food in 26 states, beef and chicken. And the beef and chicken, because of no-waste farming, institutional industrial farming, that unless you took all hamburger meat, which is now what they do, all hamburger meat is soaked in ammonia. It's soaked in ammonia. That's why they tell you not to grill hamburgers, because it creates uh, an ammonium nitrate gas, which is carcinogenic. They soak all hamburger meat in ammonia. Why? Because you find in meat and chicken, meat and poultry, 95% of it has viruses that are immune against any antibiotics, because they feed antibiotics and steroids in the feed of everything so that it doesn't get infected or get sick and they feed it slowly into it and it also and steroids so it grows faster. Most chickens that you eat today by the time because they grow them so fast and they become so pumped with how they feed them they can't stand on their own legs so that you get more volume in less time and to realize that we kill thirteen million chickens a day.
1: And that this study was suppressed. But this is the case though, Danion, is it not with the use of mercury, fluoride. It's all used together a massive detrimental effect on human beings.
0: Well it's how you could you set up controlled illnesses. David, you have to control the illness. If you read the side effects of any medicine, you'll you know in two years what you're going to have and you know they've already formulated a drug that would take it. Look at most people. People in their 60s and 70s, are, some are taking 35 and 40 pills a day. And most of those are the can- act, the side effects of the original two or three pills that you take.
1: This is indicative of a pharmaceutical industry that is completely out of control.
0: Oh, no, they're completely insane. All they do is sell drugs. That's what medicine is. But here's what's going to be the fun part. Because we move into quantum, everything is energy. And when people stop long enough instead of that pill that they're taking, and demand that the pharmaceutical companies explain how energetically a pill works, we're not in chemistry anymore. we're in energy. How does energetically that pill works? homopathy and energetic medicine will leap into the forefront of consciousness. These ancient arts before we could synthetically produce, most drugs come from plants. Most of the drugs that we have are synthesized from plants, you know, and almost every drug that you have. Look at Viagra. Do you know where Viagra comes from?
1: I have no idea.
0: Watermelon rind is where they found the components for Viagra to create increased blood flow. Now, how many, when you start to think about that, you start to realize what the deal is. You know, you start to get a grip on how crazy this is and how naturally we should live as opposed to how expediently we have chosen to live.
1: Well, does this mean, Danyan, that we all need to return back to the land?
0: What it means is we had better pay attention to the source of all of it. We're hurry, hurry, self-gratification, instant gratification, instead of spiritually aligning to our identity. We come to this earth because we have a divine mission and because we choose to come to this earth so that we can help identify ourselves as co-creators. And look at what we're co-creating. We're destroying the planet that we live on. We're not just harming it. We are destroying it. Take a thing take a I think of this statistic. This is a water planet. If you took all the water there was on this planet, and it was a five gallon bucket, and you took all the fresh water that was on the earth, it would be a coffee cup and if you took all the fresh water, what is drinkable is a teaspoon of that water. And that 74% of that teaspoon is polluted with runoff from farming, pesticides, and chemical toxins released into that fresh water.
1: Let me ask you then, with that said, because we wish to be solution-led for people so that we're not placing fear at their doorsteps. Knowing all of this, knowing that we no doubt have an economic collapse ahead of us, knowing that we have a fossil fuel industry that is completely out of control, as well as the genetically modified crops industry and many other pharmaceutical industries, how can people prepare for what is going to approach in the next couple of years?
0: It's exciting. I wouldn't miss it for the world, David. I think that people should be excited. They should force themselves to get out of debt. They should force themselves. They should look at what they're eating. They should stop and take the time because it's a comfort food. I mean, I don't eat beef or poultry. I mean, I eat some fish, but I always study the mercury. I always do studies of mercury of it. And I'm mostly vegetarian. I eat some fish, but very little. And I pay attention, and I try to get it fresh. I don't eat off of salad bars because they spray it with sulfates and nitrates. And you have to stop and become responsible. We are living in a time of recreating a new world. With all of these things that are happening, they are necessary to remove the illusion that has created the delusion that we have technologically advanced to the point that we no longer have to exist in nature.
1: Isn't that in parity with the hubris that you would have had in civilizations uh, such as Atlantis, for example?
0: They did it to themselves. And people say, well, there was no such thing as Atlantis. Well, they find it all over. They find it in 50 places. If you go back to look at the work of Churchworth in the 40s and the 50s, And someone who wasn't looking for Atlantis and all the tablets that were found in Mexico, I mean some 200 tablets, and if you look at what the Mayans say and where they originally came from, you know they had to be a central place of where this is origin. If you look at the Bach saga, it was goose Line off the coast of Africa, which could have been Atlantis. If you look at Atlantis, it had to be in the middle of the Atlantic. If you look at Lumeria... It had to be in Lumeria. And when you start to look at this and you look at the work of church work, think about this. If you go to the Yucatan in Mexico and you go to Palenque, which was a Mayan, an ancient Mayan pre-classic period. You know, the Mayans had the pre-classic and the classic and the post-classic period. If you go into pre-classic Maya, and you look at the writings of the pre classic Maya, that, that which has survived the Spanish that they didn't burn, I think the Dresden Codex is one of the better ones. And you go to the northern the northern part of India near Kashmir, I think it's called the Puja region, you have two identical structures. Two identical structures, Palenque and in northern India, they're identical. They're built the exact same way. They call them by different names because the Spanish name most of what the Mayans have. But the way the columns are presented and all of that, and they have proven that in this particular region, which is one of the oldest regions of India, which is, other than the Aborigines, are the oldest known civilization, they speak a dialect of ancient Maya. So it would tend to make you believe that somewhere in the Pacific Ocean there was an original place that as it sunk or was destroyed, just like what's happened into Japan now, and we know we have the, what's called the Ring of Fire, these volcanoes that are called the Pacific Rim of Fire. We know that these places disappeared, and they did journeys. These people did journeys that's what churchworth's paperwork. but people need to go back and read books written in the last thirty years, not stuff of today which which is a little confusing, but go back before science could control everything and look at it, especially Churchworth. Because you see such you see such stuff that then was thought to be insane or forbidden archaeology. Think of this, uh, David. We used to say that we all came they, that we migrated across the the Bering Strait twenty five thousand years ago, and it was called the Clovis Society from Mongolia into the United States, and that's where the red man came from. And they had to change color somewhere around Canada to go from brown like the Mongolians to turn them red like what we call the Native Nations. There are some vague similarities, but the time frame in the last 40 years of the Clovis migration has gone from 25,000 years to 2.5 million years. So that means that everything that we're hearing and they're describing, they keep changing it. They just keep expanding the time frame as opposed to realizing they don't know what they're talking about. And think about this. Everything that tells us where we came from, we were Cro-Magnum and then we were, were First we were monkeys and then we were Cro-Magnum and then we'd evolved into Neothandrol and then we evolved into Homo sapiens. This is the stuff that we've been told based on evolution. Well, now science says that there were seven different kinds of humanoids existing at the same time, along with Cro-Magnum, Neanderthal, and Homo sapiens. And at the same time of Homo sapiens, there were seven other humanoid beings existing on the Earth. Now, not to stop and think about that for a second and to think that we trust the garbage that we're supposed to believe in and the, the stuff we hear on the news that's high speed, quick, and given to us by teenagers, it makes us either irresponsible, completely stupid, or becoming aware. I'm just supporting the becoming
1: aware part. Looking forwards. Would you see the world as I see it, that it's going to be a new governance? That will see politics, religion, and many of the vehicles discarded? Oh, absolutely. There's
0: two choices. They will either systematically wipe out uh, four billion of us and blame it on the UFOs and a war between them. They can't poison us to death because we're too smart. Or we will stand up and take our rightful place. We are at the precipice of world war or world peace. Either way, we're here. I believe unequivocally we will win. I believe that people will step up to the plate, open up their minds, and more importantly, open up their hearts, meet their neighbors, and collectively have conversation. I believe that the rise of a third party, I'm not a big Tea Party supporter, but I write about it on com. I write about this in the, my book, Save by the Light at Peace in the Light, Secrets of the Light, and also the new book, 10 Things to Know Before You Go. And my wife and I, we write about it, especially in com. and I write a blog called That Ain't Nothing, which is a Southern term. I believe unequivocally we will win.
1: You are enjoying and experiencing an amazing life. How do you think that your mother and father would look upon what you are doing now? They are no doubt with you and guiding you. Thinking about where they were at and the sort of life that they experienced, how would they look upon today?
0: Well, I look at my brother and sister. Okay, and my brother and sister are very proud of me. There's a lot about me that is contrary to what they believe. But I have been successful. I'm an international best-selling author, and I contribute to television shows and movies and and help affect consciousness. And I think that my mother and father would be proud of me, and I think that they would be most proud of this one place. I'm a hospice volunteer. I wake up in the morning because I have to make a living. I have to help keep my children sane. I have the most lovely, most magnificent wife of any human being to ever walk on this earth. But I also get up in the morning that no one need die alone. That a part of my life is dedicated to putting out information because I do my homework. And I don't do it out of fear. I do it out of nature and informing and that I bring to the bedside a certain sense of security, confidence, laughter, and eternity. And I think that they would be most proud of me as a hospice volunteer. And I know that my brother and my sister are very proud of me as that. I think that my mom and dad would be very proud of me. They, I can hear still see, hear my mother stuff that she would say, because she, everybody always tried to make me better, because I have a tendency to not go along with what everybody else thinks, and not to believe so much of the garbage that we've all been institutionalizing thinking, and to make preparations for the future. I believe in the greatness of the divinity in every human being. I believe that an awakening will come through people like you, and who set forth no matter whether they're sleeping in the car or they're in Trump Towers that they're opening up to give gateways for people to find information to instill into their spiritual identity the strength, courage and wisdom necessary to transform this planet.
1: Daniel, I I cannot tell you it has been a real pleasure to spend these programs with you.
0: I look forward to any time I can be of helpful and to all the listening audience Who's ever out there listening who is using Kindle? I was just looking on Amazon. I always look at the book sales and I look at the Kindle sales and whoever in your audience out there are buying Kindle, I wanna thank them because I'm now number seven purchased Kindle on Amazon. I was watching it from over your shows. So your audience not only listens, David, they are proactive. So I thank you. I thank the radio system that you're using, and I thank you for having the courage. It's so easy for me, David, to be courageous. I've already been dead. I've already felt and been through an enormous amount of pain. So those things that most people are frightened of, I have no interest in. But those people have not been where I've been who stand up with courage and dignity and grace, and they hold true, and they try to inform and enlighten the spiritual humankind and the human consciousness. I honor them. So on this day, let me say that I honor you and I appreciate you for what you're doing, and if I can contribute in any small way in helping you, please call upon me first.
1: Daniel Brinkley, it has been an enormous pleasure, and I thank you so very much. Thank you, David. And to our listeners today, I hope that you enjoyed this series of programs with Daniel Brinkley. You can gain information on this and any other programs in the series at davidgibbons.org. Meanwhile, wherever you are in this world, good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. David Gibbons in Discussion welcomes listeners' comments and viewpoints at its blog at davidgibbons.org.